1: grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in the series called The Storyteller. It's the parables of Jesus. Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew 25 with a parable of the ten virgins, as five were foolish and five were wise a parable of Jesus that was a picture of his coming and for you to be ready. So what will the return of Christ look like? And a question back to you, are you ready? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part one of the message called The Foolish Versus the Wise. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio
2: want us to take a look this morning at this idea of the Lord coming back. It's an idea that fascinates us. It kind of captures our imagination. People think about it. They're talking about it. In fact, we all know, of course, the world was supposed to end on Saturday and (laughs) missed it. And some people were disappointed. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say to that. That's just weird. (laughs) But yes, Saturday passed without the world coming to an end. But Supposedly we're not out of the woods yet, Christian numerologist David Mead predicted September 23rd as the date a mysterious planet X would collide with Earth. And he based this idea largely on his interpretation of verses and numerical codes that he claimed to see in the Bible. But as the day drew nigh, of course, he, he kind of backed off his prediction, said he was misunderstood, and now he says it will end October 21st, so we've got that going for us. We've got at least a little bit of time, so I'm going to make the most of it. I don't know about you. I mean, everybody wants to know. There's this thing about when is the end of times? When is the Lord coming back? I've had people, because of the the exceptional hurricane season we've had and the earthquakes kind of come up and nudge me, and you go, well, you know, a lot of hurricanes, a a lot of earthquakes. You think this is it? And I'm like, I don't know. I said, we got at least till September 23rd, and now I don't even have that going for me. I don't mean to make light. And some of you are like, yes, you do. No, I don't, because I, I think... It's rooted in the right kind of concern, I just think we misunderstand some things that Jesus said, and that we're gonna look at a parable that was a response to that very question. It was a response to that question of, Well, when is it? We're gonna be looking at Matthew chapter twenty five. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there, Matthew twenty five, and we pick up at verse one? We're talking about the foolish versus the wise, and this contrast is really important. Let's pay attention, let's see what Jesus had to say. He said, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they slept. Now make note of that phrase, as the bridegroom was delayed. The unexpected kind of being interjected into Jesus' story. They all became drowsy and they slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose, they trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, well, since there won't be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, make note of this, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. I pray that we would hear you, and I pray that we would respond to you in obedience. Thank you for your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. I think to understand this story, we have to understand what it is in response to, okay? It is in response to some questions that were asked in Matthew chapter 24. And so I want to take us back there, and I want us to look at those two questions, and they're critical, and I want us to walk quickly through Matthew 24. And it's a passage that a lot of people look at, a lot of people talk about, because he talks about some of these things. But first, let's look at the questions. I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter 4, right at the beginning. We're told Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. This is like you're walking through Washington, D.C. Someone points out the White House and says, look at this, isn't that beautiful? And Jesus stops and says, yeah, not one stone of that is going to be left standing. This is Herod's temple they're talking about. It was an impressive edifice in the first century. And he says, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Listen now, I want you to pay attention to what they say. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I want you to understand very quickly that is two questions, not one. That is two questions. Really important. When will this happen? What? What he just talked about. The temple. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains so he just begins saying there's these two questions and he begins giving him this picture of what's going to happen he goes on he what we just read but then he also says you'll be handed over for persecution and death he says he says you'll be hated many will turn away and betray the faith false prophets will deceive many but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then he says this in verse verse 14. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And look at this. And then the end will come. So verse 14, he says, this is what you're looking for. And then the end will come. And then he goes on, he continues on in Matthew 24. He talks about discussion of trials and tribulation. He talks about something called the abomination of desolation. And it's like, I don't know what that is, but that sounds bad, right? The abomination of desolation. What he's doing is he's quoting from the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel was spoken of that there would be a leader who would allow sacrifice and and idolatry right in the middle of the temple, pagan. And it was unthinkable to a religious Jew, the abomination of desolation. And he talks about that. He talks about reports of false messiah. They'll say, the messiah is here, the messiah is there. He says, don't believe it. He says, do not, do not believe it. He assures them that when he really comes, he says, you'll know it. He says, lightning, if, you're in, if lightning happens in the east and you're in the west, you still see it. You know it happened. He says, my coming's not going to be some secret. You, it's not like you're going to wonder, did I miss it? He says, you'll know. He says, you, it's, it's something that everyone will know. And then he uses this analogy. He says, like the budding leaves on the fig tree let you know summer is coming. He says, These signs will let you know that it's close. And the question we would ask, okay, What's close? Because he uses the fig tree as an example. He says, All you do is look at the leaves, you see the buds, you know summer's coming. Well, these signs will let you know that it's close. And, and the question is, What's close? The destruction of the temple or the second coming? And I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. Because I think he's weaving back and forth. He's talking, he's answering both of these questions. Verse 24, he says, a verse that I think has caused a lot of people a lot of question and even heartburn. Verse 34, it says, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass until all these things have happened. And the question is, which generation? And I want to say to you, I believe they understood it very clearly. He was talking about their generation, this one. And what happened in 70 A.D. was Titus, the Roman general, destroyed the temple, begun the dispersion of the Jews, the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem, and the cessation of Israel operating as a nation in the same way it had before. And then Jesus says this is so important, and this is the whole point, point. we got to grab this, and we got to grab onto it and read it. And this is beginning at verse 36. He says, But about that day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man." For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. I think what he's talking about, people often make reference to the the comparison to the decadence before Noah and, and the decadence of this time. And I think that's a fair assumption. I think it's a fair statement. But I also think they're talking about the surprise. Other than Noah and his family and those who Noah told, nobody knew. They were just living life, doing their thing, and all of a sudden God's judgment came. I think he's saying it's going to be similar to that. This is how it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Do not, you do not know which day your Lord will come. That's such a key verse. Keep watch. I want to suggest you, every generation of believers from that day on thought that he would come any day, that he could come any day, and that he was definitely coming within their lifetime. And I want to suggest that's exactly how Jesus intended it. That is exactly how Jesus intended it. I think some of these things were specifically talking about 70 AD. He was telling them what was going to happen to the temple, what was going to happen to Jerusalem. He said, This generation will not pass before these things come. And because he referenced the fig tree, what's interesting, some of us grew up with a a teaching and an idea that in 1948, Israel became a nation again. It became a nation. And certain theologians said, well, because Israel sometimes is a representative, or the fig tree is sometimes representative of Israel, that must mean when Israel becomes a nation, that generation will not pass before he returns. How many of you have been taught that? I was. Yeah, a number of people. we heard that idea, that teaching. I don't think that's what he was saying about the fig tree. I think he was simply using that example. When you see these things, you'll know. And that generation, I believe he was talking about 780. so they took and they believed that This is going to happen within our lifetime, and it did, the destruction of the temple. And they had this idea, Messiah could come and even will come within our lifetime. And every generation has believed that sense. And I want to suggest to you, that's exactly how Jesus intended it. And I want to suggest to you, they were all right. They were all right.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Foolish Versus the Wise. The series is called The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: See, I, I want to throw kind of my hat into this ring of kind of predicting the second coming of Christ. Um, I've studied the scriptures. I've looked. I've dealt with it. I've kind of t- consulted experts. I want to suggest to you that I confidently believe he's going to come within the next hundred years. And you can take it to the bank. Write it down. I believe Jesus is coming within the next hundred years. And I believe there's conclusive evidence to that. You guys are looking at me like you don't believe me see the simple reality is within 100 years we'll all be dead he will have come back for all of us do, do you understand that and by the way if there weren't any kids in the room okay i was gonna go 50 years okay but good news i gave 100 because there's kids in the room And my luck i'll make a prediction like that some kid some smart kid will live to 110 years old man <laughs> But I think this is really important. I mean, I I make a little bit light of it, but I think it's really important we understand this because Jesus wanted every generation living as though he could come back any time. And what I'm telling you is empirically he can. And he will. No exceptions. You can take this to the bank. I mean, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, folks. We could be on the drive home today. And our number could be up. God could call us. Or he could give us 50 more years, 60, however long. See, it's into that understanding, that setting, that he tells the story of a wicked servant who master leaves in charge and assumes master's never coming back, and so he abuses all the others. And then he tells the story we just looked at, of the five foolish and the five wise virgins or bridesmaids. The setting is a Jewish wedding. They would have easily understood the picture The idea is the bridegroom would come for his bride, it was a big ceremony, it was public, and he would take her to the wedding feast, and then he would take her to be his wife. It's a beautiful picture. But something happened that it wasn't like they expected there was a delay. You remember how Jesus told the story there was a delay? He didn't come right away. And some were unprepared. They weren't expecting that. And they kind of had this thought, oh well, it doesn't matter that we don't have oil, I guess he's not coming at night, he'll be fine, and we're told that five of those maids were foolish foolish because they were presumptuous oh he won't come back tonight or he'll come back right when we expect him, and then if he doesn't we don't need to worry about it and then because they were presumptuous they were unprepared they weren't watching they weren't ready this is the whole point of the story see jesus answers to keep your eyes open he uses the phrase keep watch because you don't know when he will return. That is Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Here's the main point of that whole story. Wisdom reminds us that this world is not forever because he's coming back. See, the wise understood that. They understood. That's what Jesus is saying. Wise people, he's just told them all that teaching in Matthew 24, and then in Matthew 25, he tells them this story. Wisdom reminds us the world's not forever. He is coming back. The Apostle Paul talked about this in first Thessalonians four, sixteen through eighteen. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an ark arch- of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Yeah. You see, whether it's in what we call the rapture of the church, which isn't, it's not a phrase, it's in the Bible. That's a phrase that commentators and theologians kind of coined to describe this catching up that Paul talks about. And whether it's in this idea of the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ, or... We simply die on the way home or die three years from now, ten years from now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The the truth is, this world isn't forever. He's coming back. And that's exactly how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to live with a sense of anticipation. He wants us to live with this idea of watching. He wants it to change how we approach the days of our lives. That's the whole idea. Every generation looked and thought he could come back today, and they were right. They were right. And he came for every one of them. The, the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ, the end of all things, hasn't happened yet. But it could happen anytime. time. There's nothing preventing him from doing that. Or none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. We are supposed to live with our eyes looking differently because wisdom teaches us this world, this world that we interact in, the circumstances, situations that define our lives, it is not forever because he's coming back. Now, a couple observations I think we can draw from what Jesus is teaching us. The first is when I remember that he's coming back, I see the world differently. When I remember that he's coming back, I see the world differently. What that means is this is not all there is. This is not all this, there, there is. This stuff that we interact with all the time, the things we're walking through will not have the final word. That's so important. I want, I want you to grab that. Because we've been trained, we've been socialized, we've been conditioned to respond differently. And Jesus is saying, I want you to understand that I'm coming back. This world's not forever, so I want you to see things differently. Look how Paul addressed it. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start with verses 16 and 17. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. That whole idea, outwardly we're wasting away. When I was young, I didn't understand this. I understand way more now. Just look in the mirror and just, ooh, yeah, no, Paul was right. This is, this is not pretty. Mm. Outwardly, we are wasting away but good news, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Our spirit, the eternal part of us. And look at this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What all? Our light and momentary troubles. I love that phrase, I do not lose heart. I do not lose heart. He says, we do not lose heart. In spite of what we're walking through, I, I want you to stop and think, because there may be something that you're walking through, a circumstance that is pushing on you to the point where you're feeling you're tempted to lose heart, to be so discouraged I think there's something to be discouraged, which is bad enough, but to lose heart is when, it's almost like you want to give up. Say, forget it. And what is it? Is there something that you're struggling with, something that you're facing, you're wrestling against, that would tempt you to lose heart? See, he says, because wisdom teaches us this world's not forever, he's coming back. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't get so discouraged. And then he uses this description, our light and momentary trouble. See, this changes how I see situations. And situations are real. We all have stuff that we face. But when we understand this big picture that, wait a minute, this is not all there is. This doesn't get to define it all. All of a sudden, our troubles, we we take a different perspective. And, And you know something? Paul went through real hardship. Paul was persecuted. He was beaten for the gospel. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He suffered, suffered loss. He suffered lack for the gospel and real persecution. And he's the guy saying it, light and momentary. You know, when I look at it through this, I, this lens, when I remember that he's coming back and this isn't all there is, I see the whole world differently. It changes how I see circumstances. And we've got all this stuff pushing in on us. Think about all the circumstances that would just threaten to kind of overwhelm us and just be like, I, I don't know what to do with it. I- I'm really bummed about what's happening with the NFL right now, okay? And you're like, well, you're a Bears fan. Of course you are. But no, I'm talking about I'm talking about the the, the controversy and the division because folks, football's supposed to be fun. It's it's entertainment. I mean we understand. See, before I used to watch be able to just watch football and remember this thing. It doesn't matter. Okay? It it, it does and you're like, well, you're a Bears fan, again, you know. But all of us, we recognize it's it's entertainment. It's it's something we rally around it, we kind of give each other a hard time over it, you know. Trish Saunders wears her Denver Broncos stuff. She had Denver Broncos shoes on this morning. It was really obnoxious. It was very disturbing. <laughs> I give her a hard time, and that's what football is supposed to be. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's just sports, right? Well, now politics has crept in, and it's, it's hard, and it's not just fun. And There's division, and it's over big things. I have to say to you, I do not believe, I do not believe our flag is a symbol of oppression. I don't believe that at all. I do not believe the American flag is a symbol of oppression. I believe no be, listen carefully. I believe oppressive things have happened under that flag. People are sinful. People are broken. People commit sin. But I I honestly don't believe those are things that that flag was ever created for, was rallied around, has been bled for. I, I don't believe those oppressive things are what that flag's about. I think that flag was supposed to be a symbol of freedom and actually to stand against that kind of oppression. I thought that flag was the thing that we... It's supposed to be one of those things that we look at and go, okay, under those... Stars and stripes, that kind of oppression is not okay. We know what happens, but we're committed to saying no. We're committed to fighting and saying no. It was supposed to be something, that, at least on a national level, unified us that said, yeah, no, no, what we're about is, is freedom. And where there isn't freedom, we'll fight.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210- 490-5262 490 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.